Hi, everybody. I'm Wendy Murdoch. I am the creator of the Surefoot. <laughs> I am the creator of the Surefoot Equine Stability Program and the Surefoot Equine Stability Pads. In 2012, I put the first horse on a pad, and I timed it for 15 seconds, and that horse literally changed my life. His name was Dante, and in 15 seconds, he walked off that pad and. And what we thought he had was a lameness. Uh, the day before I'd seen him for a lesson and he was lame in the right hind leg. Um, we thought it was from a saddle problem. We corrected the saddle. We still had the problem. The next day he was still off. And then I put the pad under his foot and it literally in 15 seconds, he was totally different. Um, and so that's changed my life. So for the past eight years, I have been um, uh, just absorbed and obsessed with this project. And, and helping horses all around the world and riders understand their horses better. One of the greatest things I found about Surefoot is that the horses are literally waiting for us to say something that's meaningful. They are listening all the time, but when we don't say something that is profound to them, we don't get the response we're looking for. And when we say something that's meaningful, the response is so amazing. Um, right now on the fans of Surefoot equine page, we keep getting stories from people that's their first time using Surefoot pads and their horses making amazing changes, or they use it for their farrier and the horse is quieter for the farrier, um, or the horse has laminitis and he's more comfortable. So there are very many uses for Surefoot pads. That's one of the amazing things about them is how many different ways you can use them. Um, somebody's asked me a question about the best way to clean the pads and do they absorb water? The answer is no. The pads are closed cell. They cannot absorb anything. And they are um, easily cleaned with soap and water. I actually carry a little brush in my bag of my pads. I brush them off after my use. I put them back in my bag. And if I need to really clean them because I'm going to another barn, I just use soap and water, hose them off, let them dry out. Um, so that's the great thing. They will not absorb anything. Um, one time I actually left a set of pads in a tub in Florida for a summer that was not air conditioned. And I also left a little board in there that I use for board under the foot, an exercise I do with riders. When I went back to Florida, I opened the tub and the board was really grody. It was like, I don't want to use it anymore. And the pads were perfectly fine. So you don't have to worry about them absorbing anything. They won't. Um, there's an antifungal agent in the, in the coating and um, just soap and wetter is great. So um, what I'd like to do is just, uh, let's see. I have seen everyone use the same color in fronts and different colors in the back. And what are my thoughts? Okay, so let's kind of start from the beginning a little bit. Um, because one of the most basic questions that I get, and I get repeatedly, is which pad should I choose for my horse? And it becomes very simple. If your horse is nervous, anxious, unfit, um, unsure about its environment, unsure about footing that it's standing on, weak, um, or you don't know that horse. Say it's a strange horse to you and um, you don't know how it's gonna react. Then you start with hard, or even the physio pad, which is the inch and a half pad that we designed for farriers that we now also use as an introductory pad. Because if you start with something too soft and you scare them, they're going to not want to step on anything again. And the horses that are most wary are Mustangs, especially if they've been in the wild, because their life depends 
on what they step on. And they learn quickly that if it's boggy or too soft or too squishy, it could be danger. So in those horses, it's really important that you start with hard because they're already nervous or anxious and the hard pad is the most ground-like. So hard is orange. So anything that's uh, orange on the top, like the physio pad, it has an inch of hard, or the regular pad, which is two inches of hard, it has an orange top. The hard slants are pink on the top. So the hard slants are pink, the hard pads are orange. And you could use slants, um, but always start with flat first. So, um, you know, a lot of times I see people wanting to rush the horse's process. And um, I want to really encourage people to go slowly. Um, also in duration. So when I started, I literally timed it for 15 seconds. I only did one foot. I saw a massive change in the horse. And I see that people, because they see horses on stacked pads and on four pads and on multiple pads, that they think that's the goal. But that really isn't the goal. The goal is to provide your horse with an opportunity to experience his own habitual past patterns, his balance and his posture, and become self-aware by challenging him with this controlled, unstable surface. So the goal is not to see how many pads I can get underneath the horse's feet or to see if I can get my horse on four pads. That's absolutely not really where we're going but it is to really start with one foot, start with one pad, listen to your horse, and gradually work with more pads and more feet. And the reason for that is that with some horses, one foot on one pad is so profound that that horse really needs to like have some rest time and to process. It's a thought they haven't ever had before. How do I feel? What's happening with my foot? How does my foot meet the ground? Where's my balance? Do I feel more secure? Now, obviously they're not having those questions in that way, but you can see them and you can feel them going through that kind of process when you're observing them. And also if you've ever had the opportunity to sit on your horse while someone places a pad under his foot. And you can absolutely feel the horse when he walks off think about his foot and think about how it's meeting the ground. And so the foot being a sensory organ and very sensitive actually, feeling vibrations and pressures and temperatures and all kinds of things that, you know, think of it as we're saying something that's really important because all they have are those four little feet to organize that entire body in space. And then we add a rider and a saddle and we go across country. So, um, some people, you know, aren't really aware of their feet. They just walk around every day and their, you know, their feet carry them around. And there are horses like that, that they're very unaware of their feet and their feet just kind of happen to be at the end of their leg, but they're not aware of them. They're not conscious of them. And some of these horses can be in a, have lost proprioception, meaning knowing where you are in space. Some of them are shut down. Some of them have had poor shoeing. You know, there's lots of things that can happen that can cause us to lose awareness of a part of our body. If any of you have ever had a severe injury or surgery, you may have noticed that afterward, it took a long time to get sort of integrating that body part back into the whole. Um, I've had several surgeries 
and um, the more recent one, they had to go in and reattach the, the tendon for glute medius, which is a major glute muscle um, that stabilizes your hip. And it took me, in fact, it's taken me two years to reintegrate my leg. I was just noticing when I came up the stairs this morning that, wow, it feel, finally is starting to feel strong and feel present and able to carry me. And that took two years. So when a horse has an injury or um, something's happened or whatever, you know, it can take some time to reintegrate back into the hole. So um, I just suggest that going slowly is really a plan and a good plan, as opposed to how many pads can I put underneath my horse's feet? So if the horse is nervous, anxious, uncertain, weak, recovering from illness, recovering from injury, hard. Now, if there is an injury, you always wanna to talk to your vet and make sure you get a diagnosis and that you're using the pads appropriately because you don't wanna do any harm. And depending on the type of injury, you do not wanna offer any instability to that body during that recovery process until it's well enough healed to be able to handle that. But you can work with the other legs because they're taking more load. If a horse is basically calm, it's really accepting of its environment, there's no major issues, it doesn't have any drama, um, it's uh, you know, uh, an experienced horse, then you can start with firm. Firm is green with charcoal. And so it's gonna offer lateral instability, meaning side to side, whereas the hard pad's just gonna give to heat and pressure. And so, I'll, um, let me get some pictures up here. Um, and so, you know, it's, oh yeah, there's a great picture. I always like this one because it's such an optical illusion. So I'm gonna do a little screen share here. There we go. So, so this is an impression of a horse's foot on the hard pad. And this is actually impressed into the pad. It appears popped out. It appears like it's coming out of the pad, but it really is impressed in. So all of this area, was deep into the pad, and this area was less deep. Um, and if I find that picture, oh, here. This is um, just the other side of the hard pad. You can use either side. It's the same material on both sides. But you can see now how the sole is higher than where the shoe and the frog were. So when I go back to this other picture, it's an optical illusion that it appears in reverse. So you're not gonna have lateral instability when you use the hard pad. Um, this is a horse, you can see she obviously has more pressure on the lateral side of her right front, okay? She's a bit pigeon-toed and she had an, a knee injury actually. And so you can see how it's gonna give to the pressure here on the outside edge, but it's not gonna give away from her. Whereas when we get to firm, here's firm, okay? You can see how much more this pad is deformed here by the weight. You can see how that sort of that is kind of curled up a little bit. And so we're gonna start getting some lateral instability, more give, um, uh, more of a challenge than the hard pad. Um, here is, well, you can't really, ah, here is the physio pad. This is the half physio pad. And just notice that it's a lot thinner. It's only an inch and a half. It has an inch of hard and a half inch of medium. I haven't described medium. Okay, here's another horse on firm. And you're seeing the horses standing on two pads at this point, but I started with one pad. 
And the only reason that there are more photos of horses on two pads is because by that point, I could step back and take a picture. Um, because a lot of times when I'm starting a horse and just working with one pad, it's uh, very common, in fact, almost always happens, that the horse just walks off. And you wanna allow the horse to walk off because that walking off means that in some way he either lost his balance or needed to move. And that's what we're looking at. Can my horse be stable enough to stand and observe his world? Or did this little pad, which gave a little bit under his foot, cause him to lose his balance and walk off? And that's important information because if just this little pad has caused him to lose his balance, then we can imagine a rider on his back or a scary situation. That's just going to be more. That's really, we're kind of looking at a microcosm of the macrocosm that we're able to reduce it down to one foot on one pad and see a pattern that may actually exist in a larger way, but we didn't equate it to loss of balance. We gave it other terms disrespectful, not, you know, honoring my space, um, you know, falling through the shoulder, not wanting to pick up the lead. There's so many instances where we label something for the behavior and we forget to look at what's really going on underneath in terms of a cause. And after doing this for eight years, I keep saying it, but it's true. The more I do this, the more I realize that 90 to 99% of horse behavior issues, problems, are actually balance problems. Whether that's mental, emotional, or physical, they're not in good balance. And when we balance them physically by challenging them with surefoot pads, and they reorganize, they wake up in terms of kind of figuring out where their body is in space, they learn a new balance, then we see the mental and emotional issues go away. So just think about that for a second. When you're feeling secure, you can look, you know, somebody can go up to you and go, oh, I'm all upset. And you're like, okay, well, let's work the problem. But if you're already a little out of sorts, you've got a headache, you're a little out of balance, and, ah, somebody comes up to you like that, you're like, oh, I can't handle it. You know, go away. Don't bother me. Um, you know, so. Our, our mental state is a direct result of our physical state of being solid and grounded. Um, you know, I think of the example, if you're, if you're at the edge of a cliff and you feel like you're going to slip off all the time, you're going to be nervous. It's going to affect how you respond to the world. Um, and if you don't know how to take that step back and ground, you're always going to feel a little agitated. Well, how many horses always feel like they're on the edge of that precipice, that they're always just a little bit out of balance, and then they move their 40-pound head at the end of a three-foot lever on their neck, and the next thing they're falling, and we start grabbing on them or yelling at them or telling them to stand still or not move or don't do that. But we fail to realize that the whole thing started because they moved their 40-pound head, it shifted their weight, they had to move their foot to catch themselves, as they did that, they lost their balance and they jostled us or they were going in a direction we didn't want. And the next thing we know, we're yelling at them. We're telling them to stop it, to quit it, to not do that. And so the more we can look at what is the underlying balance of my horse? Is he standing four square? Is his weight even on all four feet? Are his feet in balance? As we start to ask those questions, and as he moves his head, does he shift his shoulder weight 
or can he keep his weight equal and turn through the spine, turning the head, instead of shifting the weight as he looks? And so that's really a, a lot of what um, we can discover with Surefoot. So I'm gonna go back and find some pictures here because I um, wanna show you some things that happen in the chest with horses on Surefoot pads to help you more understand what I'm talking about in terms of the balance of the horse. And while I'm doing that, let's see, videos. Um, if anybody wants to pop in a question, feel free. Let's see. Problem is I have too many videos. <laughs> oh, this is a neat little horse. Let's see, this should be videos. Oh wait, no, there it is. Okay, I'm just gonna do my screen share here. There she is. So this particular horse, when the owner came, it was an effortless rider course and we were at CRK training at Cali Kings and she brought this lovely little mare who could only take one lead. And I'm just gonna play the video. Yes, she's on four pads. And again, like I said, by the time um, I, they're on four pads, I can step back and take a video. <laughs> so that's why. But I want you to notice where she positions her head, right? And what happens in her shoulders. And I'm gonna slow this down and play it again so you can see a little bit more what's going on because it's a little bit subtle, right? Um, and it's, I'm just gonna let it go a little longer. And we can see her sway and have to move her feet. So right there, you could see that as her head moved and the sway got a little bigger, she needed to reposition her foot to balance herself. Um, and that's very common in horses. And so now I'm just gonna see if I can, first of all, can I make this video a little bigger? Okay, that's better. And then I'm just gonna grab my scroll, scroll bar. And what I want you to notice in the beginning here is that she has her head organized over her right front foot but we can see that she's leaning down more on her left. So she's shifted her head weight to counter the shoulder weight. It's always a balancing act. We're always trying to organize like the person on the tightrope and use our pole to keep everything upright. So she's organized her head over her right front because her body weight has gone over her left front. And if she put her head to the left, she's gonna have to move and we actually just saw that. So now I'm just gonna play this really slowly. And you can see there that she's starting to shift a little more toward even weight on the two front feet, but her head is still organized to the right, right? And watch as she turns her head from here to here. Can you see, and I know that, that the camera feels like it's moved a little bit too, okay? But you can see as she moves her head over to the right, that she shifts her weight to the left. Okay, and I believe it was the left front that she had difficulty taking, right? So now she's got her head to the right and we see the shoulder weight and here she brings her head more toward middle, right? And right there, she shifts her body from left and brings it a little straighter. Can you see it bulges here on the right side of the rib cage? And I'll do that again so you can see that. So she brings her head toward midline and then she shifts her weight, her rib cage goes to the right as her head comes left. And do you notice that little, watch that little nostril flare right there, right there, there's a deeper breath. Okay, 
we can see she's really thinking internally right there. And then something caught her attention, little ear wiggles, right? And now she's starting to take her head to the right again, but her rib cage, what? Well, it still came to the right. So we'll just do that again, right? Here she's starting to look right, but she moves her weight right. Okay, and then we get an eye blink right there, right? As her weight shifts right with her head, then her head comes to the left and she put all of her weight, not all, but a lot of her weight on the right front leg. Okay, and now all of a sudden, the left front leg's able to move because she's taken the weight off of it. She shifts the position of the left front leg and now look where the head is. It's more to the left. And then she shifts her weight over to the left, takes her head around to the left. Right, saw something. And now I'm just gonna play this video back in real time so that you can look for these things in real time because that's what's gonna be happening with you is looking at your horses in real time. The uh, ability to take video and slow it down and replay it is a luxury and something that we do after the fact, not uh, at the time because we're too busy in the process at the time observing what the horse is doing. And that's why I love videoing because later you can go back and replay it and see, oh wow, look at where her head went and then why did that foot move? She took the weight off of it and she could move it. And she actually squared it up a little more and is able to then take her head to the left and not fall on it, right? And there, right there at the very end, you can see her shoulder weight. Look how far her, here's her point of her shoulder. If I draw a line down, you know, that foot is now medial to the middle of her shoulder and her head now has to cock right. So she's gonna have to swing it back. And so these are the things that we can discover and um, help us understand what's happening with our horse. I'm just gonna grab a drink real quick. You know, so often we don't understand, you know, why did my horse do that? Why did my horse, you know, shy at that? Why did my horse not take the left lead? Why did my horse, you know, run out? Why did my horse miss the jump? Um, all of these things seem to be a mystery until we can break it down, you know, kind of tease it apart, put a magnifying glass on it, see it in slow motion, and then understand, oh, I didn't know that my horse was standing so heavy on the left front. I didn't realize that she had to move her head right. And every time I'm riding a circle to the left, I feel like I have to haul on the left rein because she won't turn because she keeps wanting to be counterbent. You know, now these stories start to make sense when we can break it down and look at it. Um, let's see, it looks like I have a question. Um, how about the diagonal with the same color pads? Not like most do front one color and back the other color. Oh, Karen, you can do any combination of pads. Let me see if I have some pictures. I'm just gonna go over here and um, go back to my pictures. Um, it really, it, first of all, it depends on how many pads you have, right? So if you only have two pads, you can do two legs. Um, when you have four pads, you can mix and match those four pads in a combination. So let's see, of course you can't find the picture that you want when you want it. Um, but there aren't any real rules about it. Uh, sometimes I use the same density under the diagonal. Sometimes I use the same density under the lateral. Like, um, that's not quite what I want either. Um, the same pad under right front left hind. 
The thing to really pay attention to when you're doing diagonals, let's see, of course I can't find a picture when I want it. Um, but the thing to really pay attention to when you're working with diagonals is whether or not, I'm just, I can't find it right now. Um, um, okay, so say it, I'm gonna do left front, right hind. And I pick up the foot and I put a pad under the left front, right? And then I walk around to the right hind to do the right hind. And as I pick up this foot, the left front moves and it's like this table leg shifts and slides out and they have to teeter. And that's actually really important information. That's the kind of thing that you wanna notice when you're, especially when you're doing diagonals. Can I pick up one pair of diagonal legs and put a pad under the hind and under the front? And it doesn't matter if you do hind or first or front foot, they're just different opportunities. But I can do that and the horse doesn't have to shift. Or when I go to pick up another leg, even if it's another front leg or a back leg, any other leg for a second pad, that the horse has to shift where his feet are to accommodate you picking up that leg. And what that tells you is that there's something that he has to increase his base of support in order to give you that other leg. He can't stay with his base of support squarely underneath him. So ideally, we would have the hooves underneath the point of the shoulders, right, in the front, and underneath the point of the buttocks in the back, so the horse is basically square. But if I go to pick up, say, the left hind, and he always has to move the right front, then I know there's something about his stability and his balance that he's not able to remain in that square pattern when I pick up that foot. He has to make the base bigger. So you think about if you have the four feet, right? And then I have to move a foot over here when you pick up this corner, I've made my entire base larger to stabilize myself. Um, it's something I see often when I put people on an exercise ball for teaching riding, is that they'll put their feet really, really wide. And if I bring their feet close together, they're all wiggly and wobbly and they can't stabilize. So that's why they're taking their feet wider is to increase their base of support and stability. But the downside is we lose movement. So when you have to change your stance and increase your base of support to be stable, you also are then losing forward motion. Um, Let's see, do I ever have, find that after the pads, the horse might have troubles for a bit because of the new feeling? I don't think of it as troubles, but, uh, but they do go through a reorganizing process. Absolutely, Catherine. Um, and I would tell you to probably decrease your duration. So we don't wanna give them so much information that they can't process it. Um, and this is where duration is really important, is that doing less. It's amazing how much can happen in just a few seconds or a minute or two. Even if the horse looks like he's totally chilling and he wants to stay longer, we have to be the good parent and go, you know, I can always do this again with you tomorrow. So let's come off the pads today. And I'll even pick up their feet if I have to and just pick up their feet, kick the pad with my foot out of the way and then walk them off if they were like, I don't wanna leave. Um, because, you know, it's like, we're uploading a lot of information. We're challenging a lot of their habits. We're challenging their whole nervous system and their organization and space and their, and their posture. And so um, sometimes like if it's too much, they can't integrate that information. And so think of it like you going into a classroom setting and, or a gym and somebody's like, okay, you're gonna do everything today. And you come out and you go like, whoa, 
whoa, what happened, right? It's too much information. But if you go in and you, okay, I'm gonna do this one little thing, I'm gonna do it for five minutes, and then I'm gonna leave. Okay, so you can take that five minutes of information, you rest, it allows the brain the chance to process it, you can integrate it and organize, and then it, you own it. And this is, um, when I teach writing, I do this a lot. I give people a, I think of it like a letter. I give them an A, and I let them go walk away and process A. And then I come back and I will give them B, and I let them process, and pretty soon we can start spelling small words. Um, but if I, if I throw too much at them at once, they, you know, it's like, how do I integrate this? What do I do with this? So I would just say shorten your duration on your sessions. Um, there are times when horses will feel like what I call a drunken spider. In other words, um, if the rider's on the horse and the horse walks off the pads, he'll feel like, woo, where am I in space? But you'll feel him very distinctly and clearly really thinking about where he's placing his feet, like super aware of, oh, there's my foot and there's the ground, and there's my foot and there's the ground. And with some horses, when they come off, they walk super slow, like really carefully. And you allow that. You don't rush them, you don't hurry them. It's like you, you know, you need time to kind of feel what this is about. Um, and then other horses will come off and just go, man, this is awesome, let's go trot and canter. Okay, right? So every horse is different. And probably the best thing for you all to do is to make sure that you stand on those sure foot pads a bit yourself and feel what the balance is like when you stand on them for you know a few minutes and then walk off on the ground. In my workshops and in my clinics, I always put people on the pads. I build what I call a balance trail and I set out the pads in a, in a line and then have everybody, if you can, take off your shoes so you feel more and walk across the pads, standing on them for about three seconds because it's not like a walking trail. You want to stop and stand and feel out the pad and then move on to the next one. Um, and it's fascinating to observe people during this process, um, especially with the slants. Um, I set them up so that the person will stand on them heel high and I ask them to soften their knees because a horse cannot walk as stifles. So I think about you standing on the pads kind of the way the horse would. And most people report <laughs> that, um, that they feel their lower back let go. And while I can't say that's what's happening for sure with horses, we do know with the dogs when we use the sure paws pads and we have them stand on it heel high on the slants that you can feel the whole psoas area let go and that's going to influence your back. Um, so, you know, sometimes it's a good idea for us to go through the experience of what we're asking our horse to do. Again, when I teach riding, I'll ask people to literally get on all fours and crawl around. If you want to figure out shoulder in, get on all fours and crawl it and figure out where your body parts have to be, and you'll have a much better understanding of lateral work if you do that. Um, so somebody's asked, how do I detect the horse's preference? Okay, so basically I start with one pad and I will pick up their foot, I put the foot on the, sorry, the pad on the ground, I kick the pad into place, I lower the foot on the pad, and I watch. And um, some horses will just step right off, they'll just walk off. Uh, some horses will stay there for a moment and then walk off. Um, some horses won't leave. And so if they kind of go and they take a huge breath from the moment that foot hit the pad, I'm like, I'm on the right track. Um, if they seem like they stay on it for a moment, but then they're like, mm, I'm not sure, then that kind of leads me to think about another pad. 
but I'm always super observing of their behavior. Um, if they cock their eye, you know, cock their ear and look down at the pad, I'm like, eh, I'm gonna slow down. I'm gonna stand on the pad or I'll kick the pad around away from them or I'll have another horse stand on the pad. Um, but um, a lot of times like they'll just stay there and then I walk them off and if they're calm and everything's quiet and I started with hard, and they like seem to like I got a breathing change. We've literally timed it. Breathing changes in three to 10 seconds. Um, if I get a breathing change, a sigh, a lick and chew, I'm like, okay, you like that one. I'll repeat that pad maybe two or three times with the same leg. In other words, I showed you something. I said, here, do you like this? You're like, wow, that's really different. I don't know. Okay, let me try it. And then I walk them off. And then I come back and say, well, this is what we did. How would you like this again? And I let them think about it again. And then I walk them off and I'll say it a third time. So it's really common for me to repeat the same pad with the same leg three times. Because the first time, the horse may not know what's happened at all. Like, wow, what was that? Wow, that's really different, right? The second time, they're kind of like, well, that was different, but I'm not, uh, now I'm thinking about it. Now I'm like, do I want to put my foot down? Don't I want to put my, that felt strange. What was that? I don't understand. And then the third time it's like, oh, I've got it. So, you know, when you think about you learning something new and the first time somebody presents it, or, you know, my favorite is I'm giving a student a riding lesson and the horse does something they've wanted the horse to do, but they didn't know how to ask. And it was a total surprise. And they're like, yay, you know, like I got my canter lead, something like that, or flying change. And they're like, yay, right? And then the next time they come at it again and it doesn't work because they're thinking too hard. They're thinking about what happened? How do I do that? What do I do? I gotta do this, you know? And so now they get in their own way and they can't do it. And a lot of times we see with horses that the first time they stand on the pad, they're not expecting anything. It's kind of like unique, it's different. It's like, wow, that was kind of cool. And then the second time you present the pad, they're like, uh, what was that? Um, you know, and they have that same kind of block where they're thinking about what we did. And now the, the thought itself gets in the way of the action. And then the third time they're like, oh, oh, I got it. That's what we're doing. This feels great. Oh, I just have to put my foot on. I got it. Right. So I really like to offer in the beginning that one pad to one foot three times. And it just kind of helps the horses, you know, understand and, and not rush them, not say, okay, now I did that. I'm going to run to the other foot. And now I, I'm going to run to two feet. It's like, just take a moment. How'd that feel? Did you like that? Was it interesting? And you'll see the horses do the same thing. They'll go, hmm, yeah, that was kind of, oh, yeah, are you going to do that again? Oh, cool. Good idea. I like this. And so then I go to the next foot, and I might not do it three times, but, you know, I've shown one corner three times, and then I go, say, to the other front foot. And by then, I pretty, have a, pretty much have a good idea of we, you know, you like this pad, you're going to stand on it for a little while. You don't like this pad. It disturbs you. Um, this foot's easy to pick up. This one's hard to pick up. You know, you might've, might've realized that when you go to the other side, that leg is like concrete and it's really difficult to lift. So I just go back to the easy leg. I don't fight it. Um, because very often the leg that's not easy to pick up is the supporting leg. So 
you know, if you're right-handed, most right-handed people that are diagonally dominant, right hand, left foot, you stand on your left leg. So you can pick up your right foot and put it anywhere, right? But ask you to pick up the left leg and stabilize on the right. And that's, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> I have to think about that. That's a whole nother story. So, you know, just because they won't pick up a foot doesn't mean they don't want to pad. It just means that maybe you need to go and find a different foot that's easier for them to pick up because we're asking them to give us their supporting leg and we're trying to put that on an unstable surface and they're like, hey, I'm not ready for that yet. So, oh, here's a, let's see, here's a little video of a horse on two different pads. There we go, I just had it. Just had. Well, here's a horse on a diagonal pair of pads. Okay, I thought I saw a video of a horse on two different. Um, he's on a diagonal, and actually it doesn't look like he's really got much of a corner on that right hind. Um, and he's on a hard pad with the hard slant on top. And oh yeah, this is really interesting. Okay, I'll let this play for a second, then we'll talk about this. Okay. So what we see here, I'll see if I can make it bigger. If you look right here at this chest line, can you see that the pec muscles on the left diagonally drop down to the right front? I mean, that's a huge difference. But the thing that's so fascinating is that the sternal line is straight. So what, I mean, what do I think about when I see that? Well, the sternal line, the line of the sternum, indicates to me where the organization of the rib cage is. So um, if you think of the, the tops of my fingers as the withers and my thumbs as the bottom of the sternum, you know, if the sternal line is vertical, then the horse's rib cage is basically vertical and the withers are pointing to the ceiling, to the sky. But if the horse has rotated his rib cage, now the sternal line is gonna be angled, right? So when I look at his sternal line, what I see is that it's actually straight. So that indicates to me that the rib cage is actually upright, but we see that this leg, the pec muscles have risen relative to the right side. So we've had something happen where either the whole left arm and shoulder has been raised, right? Um, the knees are a little bit different, right? If we look at the height of the knee, here's the right knee compared to the left knee, but we see that this muscle line on the sternal area, the pec muscles, is much greater than what we see in the knees. And so that's kind of interesting. Is he contracting those pec muscles, you know, or has he uh, slid his shoulder relative to his rib cage? You know, those are guesses. Um, it, most likely in this case, you know, he's kind of contracted those muscles up a bit. But you can see that when he turns his head, he put his weight over in the right front, right? And then he brings his head back and he comes back a bit, but this doesn't change a whole lot. Let's see if I can find that other video that I was spotted that, um, oh, this horse here is on, um, here we have firm slants on the right and hard slants on the left. So you can do that, or you can, you know, have the two same color in the front, the same color in the back, uh, lateral like this or diagonal. Um, there's, there's not a lot of rules once you start to play with it. Um, let's see. All right. Does anybody have any questions for me at this point? 
I've been kind of rattling for a while and you guys have been pretty quiet. Um, and if you don't, I'll just go look for another video or picture here um, that I think is interesting. Well, this is an older horse. Let's see, I gotta get back to screen share. Share screen. Um, so this is an older horse. I have two videos of her and she just rested her right hind leg. And you can see that we offered her the mediums in front, but what she chose was just the medium under the left front and actually <laughs> looks like I've got hard with hard slant under the left hind. So she's put herself onto a diagonal pair there. Um, sorry, lateral pair. She's kind of chosen, and you see she's brought these hind legs really close together, and she's stepped off. And so she, she just moved the pad out of the way to take her foot off of it. I, you know, I, that's totally cool. I let that happen, right? And then she steps off, and she switched resting her hind feet behind, and you can see she's not sure, what do I do with my left hind? I want to just rest it. But now she's just got her back feet on and her front feet off. And it's just so important to be able to give them that choice when they shift around. Okay, so somebody's asked me about pods. I think of pods as advanced because you have to be able to target the foot to a very small area. So let me find some um, pod videos here. I know I have them, I kind of saw them earlier. Um, so the first thing is you have to be able to target the foot and then the horse has to be very comfortable with standing on pads. But the cool thing about pods is that they give to the pressure and they're air filled. So you can see how the horse is loading his feet and how he changes the load or how he habitually stands. Let's see, I know I have some really good pod videos. You can't ever find what you want when you want it. Okay, I'm gonna go back. Um, as much as I've tried to organize my pictures for these webinars, it seems that uh, the, it's kind of like doing surefoot. I start out with a plan and an idea, and then we wind up going somewhere else, and I chuck that plan out, and I go with the flow. Um, oh, here's one. Okay, share screen. Okay. So, um, I start out with, I pick up the foot, I drop the pod where the foot was, I hold the leg typically with two hands, one on the cannon, one on the fetlock joint, and kind of aim the toe down to the third row of dots on the pod. So the pods have a series rows of dots, and I aim for about the third row with the toe. But as the leg is coming down, many times the horse just, you hit like, um, the foot is gonna land. In other words, they don't have a, a way to gradually let the foot all the way to the ground, and that's important information. So you'll see some horses, they'll pull their leg really, really high or put it all the way down, but they don't have any mid-range. And, and I'm looking for one thing when I pick up that leg for a pod is, do you have mid-range? Can you allow me to lower your foot down to the pod? Or do you get three quarters of the way down and your foot has to get to the ground because you have no graded motion in there? So that's one of the things and why you have to be really, really careful not to have your hands near the foot when you're doing pods 
because there is a moment when many, many horses, their foot is just going to the ground. There's nothing you're going to do about it. And if anything is in the way, it's going to get stepped on. They're not trying to step on you. They just don't have the range. And you'll see that with people. Like some people, they can, you know, they can curl their arm really tight and hold a weight or they can extend it, but they don't have any of this mid range where they have any strength. And that's one of the things we're looking for. So I'm just going to play this little video here, right? And you can, you'll watch his pasterns and you'll see him like shift and you'll see a little bit of twist, right? Tiny bit. And so because they're air filled, you can see he's kind of standing more on this foot and he's kind of taken the weight off his right front a little bit. Um, but he's pretty even on this left front. You can see that the weight distribution all around the pot is quite even. And on this right front, what you can see is he's doing what I call toe loading. He's got more weight to the front of the foot and you can see how the pot is kind of squished out the back. Um, so I'm gonna find some, another pod picture where you can see that more distinctly. Um, and so when I'm putting a horse on, oh yeah, here's a great one. When I'm putting horses on pods, I'm looking to see how the weight comes down on the pods. So here we can see on this horse, a very clear heel slip. So, you know, I aimed for the third row of dots, but the foot slipped backwards as it came down and heel slipped, whereas this right hind is toe loading. So we can see toe loading, heel loading, toe slip. Here's another picture of um, toe heel. Let me know if you can still see this picture. Um, you know, he's on four pods here and we can see the left front's gone to the toe, big bulge of the pot out behind. The right front slip medially. We see a bulge of the pot on the medial side. Sorry, it slipped laterally. We've got heel slip in the right hind and medial slip in the left hind. So what we're looking for in the ideal world is what I call a straight load, where the load is coming right down through the pod, evenly distributed like a column lining up over the pod. And when I see these kind of toe and heel side slips and that sort of thing, it tells me that in movement, the horse is probably gonna have a habitual pattern of movement where his foot, oh yeah, here's some more pods. Let me just make sure the screen share is working. Um, that the foot is not hitting the ground solidly. So when you think about it, if you have the ground, you want the foot to come down and the body to line up over the foot. So when they push off, they get maximum power. Well, if they're coming down and they're toe loading on one, they're stabbing their toe into the ground, and the other one's hitting heel, if you have high-low, right? Now you're pulling with your toe loading foot and you're slapping with your heel loading foot, and so you're not getting even movement through the shoulders. I mean, you can also see this behind. So in this horse, you can clearly see the toe loading. Look at how much it's dug down into the dirt and the pods bulged out behind. And on the right front, we have heel loading. And um, very often, repeating this a couple of times, yeah, this is Bob, <laughs> our friend Bob. You know, I'm just gonna blow this up a little bit. And see this one back here on the right hind, what happened was, as his foot was standing on the pad, the weight distribution and the load, the pod rolled. And you can see that it, this is the bottom of the pod here, and it rolled, and his foot slipped back. So he's losing, gonna lose power from that foot meeting the ground because when he hits the ground, if that foot slips back, he loses the ground reaction force, the push off off the ground. It's a little hard to see the left hind. You can see, if you look here, 
it's fairly even, although we got pod bulge on the left side, on the lateral side. Here's clearly our toe load, right? And here's heel load. So if we think about this diagonal of left front to right hind, the right hind slipping back and the left front slipping forward. And so he's more standing on his diagonal right front left hind and kind of losing the other diagonal. Oops, that was a different, hang on. That was, um, doo -doo -doo. he got better though. I mean, he changed a lot. And so with the pods, I really just um, trial them. I, you know, I, I just put them on, doesn't matter how they slip around. I take them for a walk, I come back, I'll repeat it a couple of times. And it's fascinating in a very short period of time because again, by now they're accustomed to that you're messing around and they're playing this game with you and they're thinking about it. But as you put the foot down on the pod and it slowly slides like that, you can see them go, whoa, wait a second, what's going on? And again, it brings another level of awareness. And then they're like, oh wait, where's my foot supposed to be so that it feels secure? And they start to find that straight load. Um, does the ground have to be level? No. Um, the pads can handle all kinds of surfaces. I typically like working in an arena just because it's a softer footing and the horse, the, the you know, the pads and the pods kind of shift around. Um, no, you can work on any surface, uh, barn aisles, um, you know, arenas, grass. I've been on all kinds of things. Um, let's see, we got another question over here. How is the way a horse standing on the pod more of a matter of where you place the pod and not a function of how the horse balances on himself? Great question. I'm going to read it again. How is the way the horse standing on the pod more a matter of where you place the pod and not a function of how the horse balanced himself on the pod? So what I do is I pick up the foot, the horse is standing, I pick up the foot and I put the pod where the hoof print was. So I'm putting the pod exactly where that horse's foot has been. And that's where he was, right? And so then I'll aim and we might miss it. You might come down and suddenly the foot shoots forward or he pulls it back or you totally miss it, it's okay, right? But I basically, I start out with, where are you standing? Yeah, great, okay. And, um, and then see what happens. Um, and it's fascinating to see how much things can, can change in a short period of time. Let's see if I have, a, um, I know I have, I have a great story um, of a horse that, uh, if I can, oh, I think she's here. It's, um, just a, a huge success story with a particular horse that uh, the pods made such a difference for. Um, we didn't, oh yeah, here she is. Um, so this horse had had a severe um, injury and it's a little dark in the arena, so it's hard to see, but I'll just, yeah, let me see if I can find a better picture of her. And we, obviously we started on pads and we started out on hard pads. And this is really interesting how she just wanted to stand on one and she brought her hind leg in close to just stand on the one and we watched her move. But um, you may not be able to see it in this picture. She has a scar down her upper arm that was probably eight to nine inches long. Um, because she had been run through a fence. And the first session, we just pretty much worked with the hard pads and um, there, you can see the scar. You can see that it ran all the way down and it was down to the bone. It was a really horrific uh, accident. Um, and the second session, yeah, 
how to get to the pictures on this. Yeah, here we go. The second session, which was about a month later, I went back and I worked with her and I used the pods. I started with the pads and then I went to pods. And just started with one foot and I started with the good, good foot, the non-injured leg, right? And you can see that we've got a toe load. You can see the bulge of the pod behind. And then when I did two pods, this is what we got. Huge toe load on the right front. This is her left front, her injured leg, heel slip, right? And you can see she's quite relaxed and the foot slipped off because of the weight load distribution. And here's a side slip. So she slipped laterally and you can see that because of the way the pod bulges. So working with pods on, on a footing is really nice because they're gonna give and roll a little bit. Um, and then we came back and now look, she switched. She's toe loading on the left front and pretty much a fairly straight load on the right front. Okay, and now we have a little video and we can see that she's actually a lot more even. And this was probably 15, 20 minutes with, you know, we're talking 30 seconds on the pods and then going for a walk, 30 seconds, maybe 45 seconds on the pods and going for a walk, maybe a trot. So um, look at how much more even, yep, she's still heel loading a little bit here, but this foot is so much better, okay? I mean, it's just, when you think back to, this picture or this picture and suddenly we're here wait here we are um that's a huge difference in a really short period of time and so that's what i find with the pods is that when they're ready and again you know you really need to make sure they're comfortable with pads you've used a variety of densities that you know they're understanding what you're doing um, and then move to the pods um, if you have an uneven load with the pods, do you continue with the pods or use pads? You can experiment. Like, um, now that I want to find this video, sometimes I'll do a combination. Um, like, I'll, I'll mix a pod and a pad. I have a great little video of a pod and a pad. But you know, there's that, that's the thing is there aren't any rules that you have to do it this way or you have to do it that way. It's so important that you respond to the horse in the environment and figure out, you know, what's best for that horse on that given day. And I've seen some horses where, you know, they just want the same thing over and over and over. And then one day they want something totally different, right? Or, um, oh yeah, here it is. Well, this is just the picture. Oh no, it's the video. Okay, so let me just screen share this. So this horse here, um, we had terrible difficulty when we started. We couldn't hardly pick up this left hind. And uh, maybe it's not the video. But um, then this is a firm pad underneath his right front. It's the charcoal foam. Long story about the yellow top, but it is firm. And he just kept experimenting with pressing into the pod and then back and into the pod and back. And just swaying back and forth just on his toe. Just checking that out. Um, wow, that hour blew by. <laughs> All right, so does anybody have any other questions, uh, comments? Um, nobody raised their hand, so I couldn't practice that. 
Uh, all right. Well, if nobody else has any other questions or comments, um, thank you once again for joining me. Oh, my budget is limited. So what do I suggest getting in the beginning? You know, the best thing to do is just start with one pair of pads, either hard or firm. And again, if your horse is anxious, nervous, weak, um, recovering from something, you start with hard. If the horse is essentially calm and relaxed and handles things easily and doesn't take a fright, you can start with firm. If your horse is an 18 hand, eight, you know, 1600 pound draft, hard, right? Um, so that's the, typically with the, the really big horses, you just want to get hard because they'll, they might not even feel what's going on with the others because they're so big. Um, so thank you for joining me. Um, I will be continuing all of these webinars next week. I have a great lineup of guests. I've got Jillian Kreinbring and Yogi Sharp and, um, and um, just a whole great list. So be sure to sign up for the emails on my Facebook, no, on my website, murdochmethod.com. You go there and you sign up for the email list. That's where I'm sending the emails from is Murdoch Method. Um, Subscribe to our Surefoot Equine YouTube channel so that you get all the latest notices when I put up a video. Join Fans of Surefoot and you can ask us questions there and it's great. There's a great group of people on Fans of Surefoot and they're all willing to help with answers when I can't get to it. Um, and so I'll see you next week and thanks for joining me once again. Bye.